Katie Herzog, how's it going? Jesse, do you want an update on my ongoing haircut saga? I would love one. Okay, so as people who listened to last week, I'm sure remember, I have been having some trouble getting my haircut because I got canceled by a hairdresser for... <laughs> Uh, unknown Sorry. crimes. It's just very pathetic. You're laughing. I apologize. It yes. is pathetic. It is. Yeah, I got canceled. Um, uh, the crimes were unstated, but I think we all know what they are. Um, slurs against gamers. I use the, the G slur too many times. Uh, so I've been having trouble finding a new one. A, I talked about on the show last week, a listener reached out who lives here, who used to live here. Uh, thank you, Kate, and gave me a recommendation. So I made an appointment with her. Let me just quickly jump in to say we had a lot of uh, folks email in to offer to cut your hair. Some of them were even nicer. They said they would they'd be willing to make a, a suit out of your skin. I didn't quite know what that meant, but it was like, really? We have really generous listeners who, yeah. more of whom than I would have thought, are hoping to make physical contact with you, which I think you should encourage. It's a healthy parasocial relationship. You know, I also got an offer for not a free haircut, but a free massage, and I think I'm going to take her up on it. <laughs> what? You're going to get murdered. You You're going to get murdered. It's <laughs> going to be so financially inconvenient for me. As I told my wife, it's a woman, not a man. We don't have to worry. At least I think it's a woman. Okay, so uh, I got a recommendation. She cancels at the last minute. Uh, very annoying. So yesterday, I went to my neighbor, the guy, the woman who does my racist neighbor's hair. Uh, she cuts hair out of her house. She has a sign outside that says haircuts $10. I drive by it all the time. And I was like, you know what? She's been, she's, this woman has, she's clearly been doing hair for a very long time. If she charges $10, she hasn't updated her prices since the eighties. I'm sure she knows what she's doing. So I went there and I should have known that I'd made a mistake when I walked in and everybody who was, there was like three women in there and they were so old that I think it was maybe their last haircut ever. If you know what I'm saying? Like very old. I'm about to die. I would like one last haircut for $10. Yeah. So the woman, uh, I sat in her chair and I showed her the picture of like the style that I wanted. It was a picture of, and I'm, I'm a young boy. It was. Sorry. Oh my God, Jesse. I was, it, he's literally, he's a, fi- a five-year-old. Do you want me to text you the photo? Do you want me to send yeah, it to you? I'll send it to you right now. <laughs> I was making a joke. <laughs> That's called telling on yourself. I know that from Twitter. Wait, let me send you this. Okay. Is this just going to be Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone? Close. <laughs> It's cute, right? <laughs> It's a nice haircut. Oh, my God. That's so funny. You're literally... It's a toddler. This is like... Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying this is true. I'm not saying this is the case because I've met your wife and she's lovely. <laughs> if your wife was a pedophile, this is the haircut you would get to sort of satisfy her. her hey, okay, all right. We'll put a picture in the show notes. Is that illegal? Can you put a picture of a of a of a, to- it's a, a child? Toddler. Wait, who it's is a model. The, Sorry, what's the backstory? Who is the kid? I don't know. It's a. I, you want to look like a hot toddler? I want to look like a hot toddler. He's a really nice haircut that I think will. He's not a toddler. He's, you don't understand kids. Four. Ages. He's like five. Four. I, I don't think he's quite five. I think he's preschool age. Anyway, we'll put a picture in the show notes. He's got a great haircut. So I showed this hairdresser this photo. And she said, I can't see it. She like put the, like pulled the phone close to her face, pulled it far away because she's also so old that she literally could not see my phone. She was like zooming in on it. Anyway, I left this place looking like, not like just like an old woman. I left it looking like an old woman from like maybe the early 80s. So she didn't give me a perm, but she somehow managed to make it look like I have a perm without having a perm. The good thing was that the haircut was only $10. The bad thing is that now I have to drive to Tacoma to get it fixed. That sucks. Well, I'm sorry it didn't work out with our... You should have just let one of the random listeners come and cut your hair. Next time, next time. Uh, Katie, what is the name of this increasingly 
handsome like a toddler podcast <laughs> this is blocked and reported and i'm katie herzog and i'm jesse single and uh today we're going to talk about a couple things you have a story for me out of a country i'm not familiar with in England, England. Yeah, I like to think of it as uh, America's little sister nation. Uh, we're, we're coming to you from Turf Island this week. This is a story about Britain's strictest headmistress. Ooh. She got herself in a little bit of drama. Am I wrong? Does that sound a little bit kinky? It is a little kinky. It is. Nice. Um, we got that. Before that, I'm going to talk a little bit about my appearance on a show called The Majority Report, which some of the online nerds... Uh, uh, there's been some discussion about this the last few days, and I think it raises some issues that come up a lot on the show on multiple fronts. So we'll talk about that. But before that, you wanted to read a letter from a listener. Yeah, we got an interesting letter uh, from a listener in regards to our last show. So on our last show, we talked about this ongoing saga in Davis, California, and that was specific to it, it centered around a library, a public library in Davis, the librarian shut down an event, a public event, when some of the speakers misgendered trans women and in, in, in women's sports, they called them. I don't think they really missed. They, I think they just referred to like right. males right. swim. I mean, whatever. The, well, the, this was what the librarian said. The librarian shut it down for yeah. the high crime of, of misgendering, which he said is illegal in the state of California. It's not. I mean, there are there would be specific circumstances, like narrow circumstances where it would be illegal, like in an employment context. You can say it in a fucking library. But as part of that story, we're talking about a woman named Beth Bourne. So Beth is a parent in Davis. She's become an activist against things like youth medical transition. And her, she got involved in this because her kid, who's a natal female, uh, transitioned at school and the school kept this from Beth. And so we, and this is an ongoing issue as we talked about, this is happening in more and more places and more places are making laws, either supporting that policy of keeping transitions from parents or making laws requiring school school employees to tell parents when their kids come out as trans. So we got a letter from a listener that I wanted to read. This listener is a teacher in New York City Public Schools, and he said that there are, he was surprised to find out that there are lots of things that schools mandate that employees, teachers keep from parents. I didn't know this. Let me read a little bit from this. While working in New York City public schools, I couldn't tell a parent if their son or daughter was dating someone in the school, even when their behavior, making out in class, showing up late because escorting the boyfriend or girlfriend to class, impacted their performance in my classroom. I couldn't tell a parent if their son or daughter came to my classroom reeking a pot, again, even if it was impacting their performance in my classroom. A co-teacher nudged me under the desk when I told a mom during parent-teacher conference that I was concerned about her son's increasing association with a student who was known to be recruiting for the 18th Street Gang. Obviously, I've been told, both in New York City schools and in my current school, a suburb of New York, that we cannot divulge name changes, pronouns, or any social transitioning until they volunteer knowledge of the situation first. Jesse, I found this really surprising. Did this surprise you? Yeah, I mean... Yes. Anything involving disciplinary stuff or mental health stuff. Yeah. How is it? How can it be that if you're, if the kid comes in reeking of pot, that's not, that's not a good sign. Um, it's not a good sign. How, I don't I don't even understand what the, unless they're enrolled in the marijuana cultivation program. Exactly. As long as it's legal. Uh, yeah, I'm confused by that. I mean, he, he phrased it a little weirdly. You can't tell them like who their son or daughter is dating. I, I agree with that. You shouldn't be able to. Sure. Why should you, a teacher, that's not your role. But he meant in a specific context, I guess, where there's disciplinary right. issues. I don't know how this stuff works. I found this surprising. This would also suggest that like the pronouns thing isn't unique. There's other areas where, where information you would 
think a parent could at least be justified in wanting to have is kept from them. Right. Okay, so he continues. As a parent, a lot of the above does not sit well with me. If my kids were engaging in any of this behavior, I would want to know. If for nothing else, to get them help and intervene for their well-being. I understand the impulse to keep it a secret. In the past, I've reported on bad student behavior to a parent and the student came to school the next day with a black eye. But I think that's a risk we should be willing to take, and then we should use our mandated reporter status to report any signs of physical or mental abuse if we see it. This game of keep away seems dangerous, unethical, and I wouldn't blame a parent for holding a school civilly liable. I mean, I totally agree with him. This idea that schools should be keeping secrets from parents, except in really narrow situations where yeah. something like abuse is, is suspected. I can't. I, well, but he, hi- he highlights an inconsistency that, I've, that I think maybe we've even talked about before, which is if you have evidence the parent is actually abusive, you need to report that. Right. You're a mandated reporter. Like if the kid's being abused, a mandated reporter means there's, there's certain people, including therapists and teachers, who if they suspect certain crimes are occurring, they are required by law to report it to the police. Um, in that case, of course, you have to report it. But this idea that parents could turn out to be abusive or you think they're abusive just because the kid says so. I I don't understand that. Okay. The kid says their parents are abusive. You don't report it, but you do keep information. It's just, there's trade-offs in whatever the policy is going to be. There's trade-offs and there's some abusive parents, but like this guy's saying, like it's just not, it doesn't seem sustainable to keep important information from parents, except like you're saying in very narrow cases. I just don't think that schools should be in the business of keeping secrets from parents. I just don't think they should. And of course you could say like, you know, this is the term that's used by people who think that schools should be in the business of keeping secrets from, from parents or who they pose it as like a privacy issue, which it is a privacy issue for students is outing. Like you see the safe space sticker in your teacher's on your teacher's door and you go and you tell the, tell the teacher that you're gay or whatever. Do I think a teacher should call mom and dad and tell and tell them, no, I don't. So maybe that's an inconsistency. But Well, I mean, I, t- I'll, this the, it keeps coming up in the context of trans stuff. and There's a difference. The folks who, who, yeah. Okay, first of all, obviously you should never out a kid for being gay. I think, obviously. Um, it gets a little bit more complicated with trans stuff. I mean, I don't think that is that obvious to some parents. I think conservative parents especially, or maybe any parents would say, like, I, I need to know this. I want to know this. Well, what's like sort of a, a values-neutral justification for why parents should be informed? I really don't think they should be informed of sexual orientation if a kid wants it a secret. I'm fine with that level of secret keeping, but what what's the counter-argument there even? Uh, parents have a right to know what's going on in their kids' lives? Not everything, though. We, we, we acknowledge there's some... I mean, like... There's, there's a lot of things parents. I'm, don't I'm know. just telling you what I think that an actual like conservative, whatever, what a, what a, what a parent who who wants this information. This is what I think they would say. I think um, I own the child. I made the child. I own the child. I deserve to know if the child is looking at grinder. Yeah, I um, I generally don't know what the right answer is for some of this stuff, but I, I will say with the social transition, in theory, if you take like the sort of textbook DSM approach to this, which some people view as outdated or quote-unquote pathologizing, which is a word I think gets just abused constantly. In theory, if a kid socially transitions, it's because they have gender dysphoria. If they have gender dysphoria, that is a mental health issue that, again, it's in the DSM. I know people don't like to hear that. Of course, parents should be informed about a mental health issue. How How can you make sure a kid gets the support they need if they're not? Now, there obviously are parents who are not going to be happy about that. And I, I really think there just should be some system more sophisticated than the kid gets to decide completely to determine those 
I think probably rare cases where like secrecy might be warranted. I, I just think it's it's not sustainable to, to have it be like total secrecy, whatever the kid says goes. Also, it does depend at age, right? Like a 15-year-old, we would treat a lot different from a nine-year-old. Uh, yeah. And you're right. It's not sustainable because there are lawsuits over this exact thing. So as of now, at least 20 parents have sued school districts for not disclosing that their child went to school and changed their name or pronoun, then the school uh, facilitated the transition. A California mom just won $100,000 in a settlement with the school district after claiming that the school, quote, secretly convinced her child that she was trans and then kept it from the parents. And there's this really crazy case that just got filed in Virginia. You probably heard about this one, Jesse, where a mom claims that her daughter came out as trans at school. The, the school, quote, deliberately concealed this from her, from the mom, then the daughter was harassed and sexually assaulted in the boys' room at the bathroom. And then the mom claims that the kid was, like, the, the mom found out that the kid was trans because the mom saw, like, a name tag that had a boy's name on it. The, kids, the kid suffers a psychotic break, runs away from home at the age of 14, and then is kidnapped, drug, raped by multiple men in four different states, was rescued by federal authorities... The kid wasn't given back to her parents because the kid's public defender said that the parents weren't sufficiently affirming. So the kid was placed in a boy's juvenile facility where she was again sexually assaulted. And so the mom is now suing the school district, the guidance counselors, and the public defender. I saw this covered by, I think, the Daily Mail. And what I found so goddamn depressing about it is if everything in this story is true, it's a it's a nightmare story that in any other situation would get mainstream attention. Oh, for sure. As things stand, because of the issue, I don't I, I don't necessarily trust right wing outlets to record report all the details accurately. I haven't looked into this yet. I'm not saying it's false. I just hate that we're at a place where like I absolutely think that like mainstream journalists would not touch a story like that in the present climate. Maybe I'm being unfair. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, no, no, I should no. also point out that this is like a, a, a hor- horrific nightmare. That is not the normal outcome for any of this. Jesse, they'll touch it if they investigate it and they find that there's discrepancies in the story. Yeah. Then we'll hear case, about it. Yeah. In a, yeah. On NPR. Yeah. I will say like that is a horrific story and that is the, yeah. the, the sort of outlying case against, uh, disclosing not disclosing stuff to parents that that i think that might be a uniquely horrible story that doesn't apply to like the average kid asking for secrecy and how to handle that i guess there are some some gray areas but the idea that teachers should be in a position where they're like lying to mom and dad or not telling them things it just i think it puts them in a, in a bad position too yeah i'm trying to figure out a way to segue this so you know who doesn't keep secrets about how they feel about us do you say see what uh, I did there? yeah that's great the majority report what is the majority report katie I honestly don't know. It's a YouTube show. <laughs> Still? Still? I, I've been trying to ignore this. Explain to me. What is the majority report? It's like a report? daily show. Um, it's, it's been around a very long time. They have a big audience. Uh, you know, they have a daily show that's a mix of uh, Sam Cedar, the host, Emma Vigeland. And it's on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Um, is it on TV? I don't think it's on TV, but it's like, like stream live. It's stream live daily. Okay. They part of the show. I think it's sort of a normal news public interest show. They like interview people. They interview reasonable people. This is all very much from a left perspective. Uh, Sam Cedar, the host, he goes on rants. He sort of developed a reputation as like a combative online personality. Um, Emma Vigeland also has like very strong views on some issues. There's like clips of her floating around expressing strong views and. I've gotten to like a bit of a bitch fight entanglement with them that I um 
I don't know. It's sort of, it concluded in a way I actually found a little bit interesting. So I'm always a little bit torn about leaning into internet drama. Um, but I just think this Wait, is, you're torn about leading, leaning into internet drama? Our show is about internet drama. Our own internet drama. I like I like profiting off <laughs> okay. of other people's other internet people's. drama. I think, I think sure. some people are going to laugh at me for saying that. If we decided to only focus on our own Twitter fights and make that the show, we could do a show every week about that. I feel like. I mean, I actually don't really get in Twitter fights anymore, and you've not, you're now off Twitter, so it would be pretty short lived. We could do we could do like like limited series runs about your various fights, but I would you know I'm just a, I'm just an observer here. I don't really participate anymore. I'm above it. Oh yeah, you're just an innocent innocent bystander. Okay, so how did you how did the slap fight between you and the majority report? How did this start? So a couple of weeks ago, I found this clip. Uh, from the majority report. This, I believe, was a day Sam Cedar was out on vacation. So what you're about to hear is Emma first reading a listener's instant message. The listener is talking about something I wrote, and then Emma is responding to what I wrote, as described by the listener. And then you'll hear producer Matt Leck chime in. The initial Jesse Singal piece about her, Jamie Reed, um, asserted that one patient had obsessive-compulsive disorder, suggested that the patient's dysphoria was an OCD sim- symptom, and that the teen shouldn't be able to receive gender-affirming care until the OCD was resolved. I have OCD, and the second I read that line on Singal's piece, I knew this woman was full of shit. OCD symptoms can be managed, but the tricky thing about it is that it latches onto the things that matter most to us. It makes sense that a patient of, uh, with both OCD and gender dysphoria feel a great deal of distress and deal with un- upsetting intrusive thoughts and images related to their body and identity. Gender-affirming care would help that patient with their OCD. Reed is cruel and wildly wrong. That's very well said. If you've ever met somebody who's obsessive-compulsive you'll, you'll, or, or, you know, or who has OCD, I should say, um, or know someone in your life, that is completely accurate. Right? <laughs> like, um, that it, you know, whether it's cleanliness, whether it's like stuff related to their appearance, that is uh, 100% the case. And if you feel like you're in the wrong body, that is not reflective of who you are inside. You are going to be obsessive compulsive about that. A hundred percent. Just a single is a trans. A total garbage human being. Lying cited by uh, Republicans attorneys general for the work he's doing. I want to say more, but I'm not going to. Okay. Okay. Who is this Jesse Singal figure? I mean, he's a nightmare to be fair. Whoever, whoever True. that asshole is. Uh, no, I, this, this really drove me crazy. I mean, you and I have both had a lot of situations where our work has been badly misrepresented. You recently had one involving friend of the podcast. Sorry, I'm supposed to do that sarcastically now. Friend of the podcast, uh, <laughs> Jude Doyle. Remind me what it was. He printed something about your work. This was. Ba- I don't remember. <laughs> don't act like you freaked out just like I do at the time. I don't. I literally don't remember what it was. I do know that the the article that uh, Jude said this. I managed to get I think four corrections. Nice, um, but. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what, what what the specifics were. So yeah, this this has been a thing we both experienced in our writing on the subject, where folks like badly misrepresent. And for me, a recent example was Vox. Uh, friend of the pod, Aja Romano, <laughs> wrote about uh, in an article I wrote in the Atlantic in 2018. Said I didn't talk to a single trans person, which is remarkable right. because I talked to plenty of trans people. Um, so I was like, I'm primed to get annoyed at stuff like this. In this case, the article Emma got really mad about doesn't exist. Like, I'm not exaggerating that. I've never written anything in which I quote, Jamie Reed saying people should only be able to transition if their OCD has been resolved. Doesn't exist. And, and Jesse, you need to explain who Jamie Reed is for people who are tuning in for the first yes. time. Who is Jamie Reed? Jamie Reed is the whistleblower who came forward and said that uh, the Washington University of St. Louis gender clinic uh, 
just had horrible treatment of patients where they were rushed through for, uh, these are their youth patients, rushed through for puberty blockers and hormones. Highly contested claims. In my view, some of them have been uh, confirmed. Uh, I tweeted about this the other day. One of the most bizarre ones I think has now been confirmed that some kids were identifying as mushrooms, which I don't even understand, but she shared an email with me that- Look, Jesse, Jesse, they're just fun guys. <laughs> so stupid. Sorry. I really hope that doesn't make the final cut. Um, <laughs> so yes, this, the, uh, that is who Jamie Reed is. And she's a very controversial figure. I, there's other stuff she said, including in this New York times article by Azeen Gureshi. Uh, one claim was basically debunked. A parent said her, she was misrepresented, blah, blah, blah. Point is she's a very controversial figure. Okay. So this, to be clear, Emma is responding to a listener saying that you quoted Jamie Reed saying that people should not be able to transition if they have OCD or yeah. if they have act, like active OCD. Yeah, and then Emma says OCD. like, and then Emma says like, no, give the people who can't stop washing their hands vaginoplasties. <laughs> that's what, that's what it was. Yes. I think you're very fairly expressing her view. So I was just, I was mad at the combination of her being so unfamiliar with my work. She doesn't know what I wrote. And then responding to a fictional article by calling me a garbage person. And it, it, it just didn't sit right. You're, you're a trash person, not a garbage person. I'm a trash person, not a garbage person. Yeah. Okay. So is this just a like game of telephone? Like did Jamie Reed tell someone or did she write this in her piece? So she wrote this this first piece for the free press about what was going on in this clinic. Did she write that in her piece that people with OCD and gender dysphoria shouldn't transition until the OCD is resolved? Yeah. So um, I reread both of both the sworn affidavit she did when she first came out as a whistleblower. She sort of filed it with the state of Missouri. It kicked off this ongoing investigation that does threaten the clinic in a lot of ways. Uh, I reread that and I read the the piece she basically simultaneously released uh, for the free press, Barry Weiss's website. I didn't see anything there to suggest she said that. Now she does mention um, kids coming in with quote, autism, ADHD, depression, anxiety, PTSD, trauma histories, OCD, and serious eating disorders. Rather than treat these conditions, the doctors prescribe puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones. She's not saying they should only be able to transition if those uh, conditions are resolved. She's saying those conditions are, are totally ignored. Uh, that was my read of that. I mean, does it? I'm not a doctor. I do have a half of a master's degree in library science, so I'm sort of a doctor. Uh, As which you'll never stop writing. <laughs> I I did accurately diagnose uh, Mitch McConnell based on a based on the 11 second video of turtle him. late onset turtleism. No, no, he has uh, he has epilepsy, late onset epilepsy. I did accurately diagnose that, I believe. Um, but is there? I mean, it seems to me that if somebody has you know, com- confounding mental health issues. Uh, what's the word for comorbid? Comorbidities. Yeah. It seems to me that those things probably should be addressed before deciding to change your sex because what if the gender dysphoria goes away when the OCD is treated? Yeah. So this is like for Emma to express such confidence that this person sending in the IM is correct. I don't really know where it comes from because my understanding of the way a clinician would, would deal with this is if someone has gender dysphoria or they appear to have GD symptoms and they have other stuff, you got to see how they interact because there could be some cases where things like autism spectrum disorder symptoms or OCD symptoms are masking the diagnostic picture. And we know from this clinic uh, in England, the Tavistock Clinic, at one point 
probably the most important youth gender clinic in the world. It was shut down in part because of how poorly it was run in part because of waitlist and stuff. Uh, there was a problem there with so-called diagnostic overshadowing. This is exactly what Jamie Reed's talking about. A kid comes in with five potential mental health problems and only the gender stuff is focused on and they proceed to treatment for that without addressing the other stuff. So while Jamie Reed didn't say exactly what this listener and what Emma are accusing her of having said. I think Emma is also like 100%, 180 degrees wrong on how you would treat a case like that. On the other hand, though, we should defer to Emma because as the host of a daily leftist YouTube show, she probably has a lot of experience working with kids with these problems and helping them get help, right? I mean, she at least has a half of a master's degree in library science. You have to have one to have a <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah. Okay, so the guy at the end, Matt, what's his name? I guess Leck. Leck, okay. What's he, so you lied about something? What's this about? So he's saying um, that my, quote, lies were cited by Republican attorneys general for the work he's doing. Okay, so what's that about? So they're just sort of these memes that have circulated about my work for years, and people recycle them endlessly no matter how many times I point out they're wrong. Um, I'll keep this brief. Oh, that's an actual excellent pun because it involves a legal brief. That was funny, right? Was that funny, Katie? I'm dying, dying. So there was a legal case involving enforcement of the Affordable Care Act that was going on back in 2019. It had to do with the ACA and gender medicine and how it would be covered. I honestly don't know exactly what the details were. I do know that at one point, there was this document with the title, Reply Brief in Support of State Plaintiff's Renewed Motion for Summary Judgment, that popped up. Uh, the authors of that document are Republican attorney generals, and they wrote the following line. Attorneys general. Fact check. Attorneys, I'm so sorry, professor. Master. They wrote the following line. The bat... The bathroom half. What is the official title or letters you get for half of a degree in library science? Mass. Here's the line that keeps getting harped on from this legal brief. The bathroom example highlights the fundamental point that putative interveners miss. The basis of sex discrimination law as it currently exists is biological sex. By contrast, there is no broad consensus, much less federal law, on the proper approach to treating individuals with gender dysphoria. The clinical term for the feeling of disconnect between one's gender identity and sex at birth, C-E-G, and then they list my article, and they include a, a four-word quote about the potential growing number of detransitioners. So, these and, and this article is, this was in the Atlantic in 2018. It's called When Children Say They're Trans. Yep. This was the one that sort of first made me controversial uh, among some people. So these Republican attorneys general are using my article to support the argument that there's no broad consensus on the proper approach to treating individuals with gender dysphoria. The problem is my article basically says the opposite of that. It just does. I don't, there's nothing in the article to support the idea that there isn't a broad medical consensus about treating gender dysphoria. My article goes out of its way to talk about how important and in some cases life-saving transition can be for people with gender dysphoria, for trans people. So much so that I actually, there's parts of it where I think I overstated the evidence, uh, but we're just referring to what I wrote back then. So mm -hmm. four days after this brief was filed, I wrote a Substack piece responding to it. Um, headlined, conservatives are lying about what my Atlantic article on gender dysphoria says. Katie, do you think that is a straightforward and easy to understand headline? I'm pretty sure I got it. And I really do think these conservatives, I mean, either they didn't read my piece, in which case they should not be citing it, or they're lying. It's just no way to take what they, the view they attribute to me, if you read the piece, is not in there. It's not, it's just not true. But of course, it doesn't matter how many times I clarify this or the fact that I responded right away. People who don't like me and who don't like my work but don't want to engage with the specifics just endlessly repeat the fact that I was cited by Republicans. This includes GLAD. 
Glad has a page about me, how I'm an anti-trans bigot, and this document is listed as one of the reasons I'm a bigot, though they don't link to the actual document, and of course they don't link to my debunking. So that's not on the, the truck that they're driving around your house right now? It doesn't doesn't cite that? No, they have, they've since turned their sights on other journalists, uh, mm-hmm. more talented journalists than me, and are now harassing them. Okay, so this Matt Lett guy, he's recycling this claim that you feel like you've addressed it a million times. From my point of view, this is more than four years old. I've, I've repeatedly pointed out that if you just read the text of my article, there's nothing there to support this use of it. Not only that, I had a Twitter interaction with Leck himself that we'll include a screenshot of. This was more than a year ago in which I pointed this out. So Leck has known since March, you know, whenever I tweeted this, uh, June of last year, he just keeps repeating it and then it pops up again on the show. So when I pointed this out, Matt's response on Twitter was to tell me to piss off. Can we, can we pause for a second? I just... This idea that even if you're, even if the Republican attorney, attorneys general, that's how you correctly say that word, even if they were correctly citing your article, how that is somehow a, like that, that implicates you in anything. I just like, to me, that is not how journalism works. There's a, I think there's two (laughs) versions of this critique. If, if someone wrote an article saying that we know the detransition rate is very high, which we don't. Right. And then Republicans cited that. That would be an example of an inaccurate claim being used by Republicans. I think you can at least then right. criticize the journalist a little. But the move here is usually Well, yeah, but you can criticize you criticize the journalist for making an inaccurate claim, not for how the claim is used. How yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. So to me, what Glad keeps doing, uh, usually not targeting me, but targeting folks like Emily Bazelon, Azine Gareshi, I think Megan Tui in one case, maybe. Um, sometimes Republicans cite uh, the Times coverage to point out that there's a controversy over youth gender medicine. Which there is. uh, Which there is. So I've never gotten a straight answer. At one point, Rashida Tlaib spread this like petition attacking attacking the Times because they were cited. But they were cited... As having reported, there's a controversy here. So I just, I just think that's really unfair right. and bad faith. But well, like even more broadly, do you think re- journalists are responsible for what, ha- how their work is cited by anybody after it's published? I just, I just don't. Uh, no. Okay. No. Not if no. they don't. I think, I think I'm like hardline on that because as soon as you open the door to that being a fair critique, there's like really amazing criminal justice reporters who have reported on these horrific abuses of police power. Let's say a crazy person shoots a cop, which happens once in a while, and it turns out they read that coverage. Is that journalist right. then responsible for someone shooting? A- right. I mean, that's ridiculous. And I've, I've, this is such a common tactic to attack mostly these Times journalists now. They've more attention on them. I've never heard a response as to how this is possibly a good faith attack. So I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, I think as a journalist, like your obligation is to tell the truth, is to portray the world as close as possible to, to how it actually is. I think if journalists overly consider how their work is used after it's published, that introduces a whole a whole different bias into the into the system that I don't think is actually good for Truth telling. Yeah, I, I just it's not something. Look, there's there's versions of this you could make an argument for, like uh, what journalists spend their time on. I mean, like if if at a certain point as a journalist you're still chasing down the connection between like autism and vaccines, you should you should move on because I, I that's been thoroughly debunked. Um, right. I mean, I think there the issue is like gets to the truth telling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so the, the whole move of folks attacking journalists for covering youth gender medicine has to pre- been to pretend or to claim it's settled science when, I mean, as we'll get to, there's 
a huge amount of evidence to suggest that's not the case. Um, so Jesse, 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 but the APA, the APA right, Glad, right, Chase Strangio, they all say the science mm-hmm. is settled. Uh, that's what I'm going to put on the yard sign outside my house. We believe the science is settled. In this house. <laughs> in this house. In this house. Uh, yes, and obviously what good journalists do is they look to activist groups uh, and professional <laughs> groups influenced by politics and just report whatever they say. So that that's good journalism right there. Anyway, so I, look, I don't, I am not shy People misrepresent my work. I will often email the editor in question and ask them to fix it. Not if it's like... You're a Karen. I'm a Karen. Um, I don't bother... I'm not going to bother someone. Like if some idiot calls me a transphobe on Twitter or a journalist does, I don't do anything about that. It's a matter of opinion. Who cares? But I emailed Sam Cedar and I was just like, this is... The last thing I told him was defamatory. You can't accuse a journalist of lying of having intentionally spread misinformation. And I asked him to correct that. I asked him to do something about the... um, this call referencing an article I never made. He basically said that they would uh, replace the audio, record something over it. In the meantime, Matt Lack said he backed down on Twitter immediately. He said, if the issue here is your internal states with regard to what you emphasize, I will be amending lies to noted pattern of misleading reporting. Like, fuck off, dude. It's really disingenuous. But as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, whatever. If he'll publicly say I didn't lie, I'll drop it. Um, well, why did you decide to go to Sam Cedar instead of Emma directly? I think it's literally just I had his email address from an old listserv I was on. Mm-hmm. I believe I couldn't even find her email okay. address. I probably would have emailed her first otherwise, but I don't remember exactly what um, the reason it was. But yeah. Um, okay. The reason I ask is because by going to Sam, it sort of looks like, it does sort of look like a Karen move, like you're going to the boss. Well, I mean, there's been, so there've been other times if someone publishes something inaccurate about me, I'm happy. To, I'll email their editor. I'm not trying to get them in trouble. I'm trying to get a correction. Does anyone think that Sam uh-huh. Cedar is going to punish Emma or Matt for having, I mean, is that a realistic outcome? Dude, there's a paddle on the, the, uh, behind their, on their set, behind the, the, sp- the spanking yes. sessions. You have to pay extra for that. <laughs> it's so weird how at the end of every episode, Sam says, it's spanking time and just starts spanking both of them. I don't get it. It's like a leftist thing. I mean, it would be, it would be creepy, except they don't take down their underwear. They just take <laughs> down their pants. So anyway, once Matt said on Twitter, he didn't know if I'd lied. I, that was good enough for me. I did drop it. But along the way, um, I think it was Matt, like himself, who suggested I call in on Twitter. So they call have into a, their show. The last, yeah, the last part of their show every day. I think every day. I haven't really watched it. Is a call in session. Uh, and along the way, I also invited Emma to come on our show, Unblocked and Reported, and she said yes. And I was like, Hey, we disagree, but like, give her credit for being. Unless I'm misremembering, she she's the first person who's ever agreed to come on, right? Who like disagreed with us. Uh, yeah. I mean, we haven't asked, who have we asked? Chase Strangio, Michael Hobbs. Michael Hobbs. Did we ask like one of the Wills? Stancil didn't want to have it. Will Stancil didn't want to have a conversation. People don't, people seem to want to like talk shit, but not be in a, and it's weird. We would, if we had someone on, we would do a conversation. We wouldn't, for example, and not to foreshadow too much, yell over them and not let them make a point. But I just I think these conversations can be useful to see what's disagreement and what's just like the light and heat and noise of Twitter, you know? Right, right. So yeah, the answer when it at least when it comes to this trans stuff, everybody just says no. Or they don't even say anything. They just ignore us. And I think part of this 
is like part of it is they say no because they know that they'll get shit from their community if they engage if they platform bigots like us although we would actually be platforming them Mm -hmm. so i think that's part of it i think another part of it is that well it depends on like in the case of majority report they're bigger than us but like yeah will stancil or like some of the other people we talked about we'd be platforming them yeah but i think the other thing is that a lot of these people are they're pussies and I mean that in the mm-hmm. sense of like a tiny cat. That's very misogynistic. I would cat. use a, I would use a, a tiny mewling hairless cat. And the idea of having a conversation with somebody who you have shit talked over and over again uh, on a public forum is is like it like makes your skin crawl, which I understand because I'm also a little bit of a pussy sometimes, not always, but sometimes. Yeah, and the shit talking did continue because like after I complained to Cedar, they talked some more shit about me on the show. Um, at this point, between my multiple tweets to Lex, some going back to last year, and my email to Cedar, they know that the brief did not reflect what I wrote, but they just keep repeating this on the show over and over and over. We'll include a link to that. I'm going to just like go out on a limb here and say, I suspect, Jesse, that they've never, ever, ever read your work or listened to this show. Oh. They just know about you from from what they read on Twitter. Hold that thought, Katie. I'm holding it. It's in my hand. Okay, so you actually did call in. Long-time listener, first-time caller. You called in this week. How did it go? Let's get to that after housekeeping. Katie, do housekeeping. <sighs> okay. I Look, I just want to tell people, I, my voice might sound weird right now because I'm talking very closely to my mic. It might sound like a little ASMR situation. We had some uh, technical issues today, so I'm in a, a different space than usual. This and, is Katie. Um, I'm talking super close to my mic, and it's weird. We are a podcast. Be... You can contact are, us at Dark and Reporting. That's so weird. The kids are so weird. What is wrong with the kids these days? Uh, phones. That's what's wrong with them. Uh, we are a podcast. It's ten. A, it's ten p.m. Is your child doing <laughs> ASMR stuff? ASMR and uh, mukbang, 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 and DIY DIY videos. Okay. Uh, we are a podcast. You can reach us at blocked and reported podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can check out our merch at barpodmerch dot com. There sounds sounds right. <laughs> Just go to go to Google it. Go. To oh, let's Google list it. off the merch we have just at the same time. We got hats, hats t-shirts, uh, t-shirts, hoodies, tote bags, gas masks, N95, uh, legal briefs, uh, <laughs> legal briefs. That would be good. Adult diapers, adult onesies, dogs, children's tuxedos, Wayfair cabinets with children inside of them, children's haircuts. We have a lot of shit over there. Check it out. Bar Pod merch. Children's hair. Children's hair. Maybe I should just do a wig. Like I'm having so much trouble getting a haircut. I just I'm just gonna go with the wig. Just do or, a dreadlock dreadlocks. Just do dreadlocks. No, wig. you know what I'm gonna do? Do rag. I do have oh, one. Oh, absolutely. But most importantly, if you check us out at blockedinreported.org for just five dollars a month, you can become a primo subscriber. Someone wrote in recently and said, Why didn't we call them premies? And also Jesse, why didn't we call them premies? Because that's weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's weird. weird primos that's is weird. great because primo is a spanish word for cousin and both in a a sort of spirit of conviviality and legally speaking anyone who becomes a primo is our cousin so that's it's a perfect word i'm gonna i'm gonna just gonna start saying premies i like it better okay. uh, so you can become a preemie for just five dollars a month uh you get early access, naturally, early access to our podcast, as well as three extra episodes every month. We have an awesome community over there, over 12,000 people. Uh, our comment section is generally a very productive, happy place to be. Had to do a little moderation yesterday. There's been some exceptions lately. I think you know you've made it when some 
a couple, a smattering of incredibly unpleasant people find their way into your comment sections. I wouldn't call them un- unpleasant because they're still giving us money. I will say, please do not tell somebody to suck honky, oh, excuse me, suck fat honky dick in the comment section. We don't like to censor. Katie, they were asking for it. That, those, that's what was in my heart. <laughs> it's a short suck, Wait, it was suck fat honky dick? Yeah. Suck was, fat honky dick. I don't know okay. if it was a command or an invitation. We did delete that's not, that one. Just for anyone considering joining up, that's not reflective of the no. usual level of civility. Is These are no. great. Hardly anyone will ask anyone to suck anything in our comment section. Right, right. It's, a, it it's is usually actually, consensual. When it does happen, it's yes. consensual. It is usually a place of productive, interesting conversations that do not need the heavy hand of the moderator. So please check that out. Uh, that's also the best way to support the show so we can keep this going. Uh, that's blocksreported.org. Anything else? No, I just, I, it, the couple times I've had to, subreddit, subreddit is blocksreported.reddit.com. The couple times both here and in my own newsletter, jessiesingle.substack.com, jessiesingle.substack.com. Um, I'm doing this. Jessiesingle.substack.com. Um, I always feel, whereas I have no problem emailing editors to correct factually false stuff, I will Karen it up yeah. all day. When I have to like crawl into the comment section, be like, sir, could you maybe not ask people to suck honky dicks? I find that to be such a bummer because mm-hmm. I just, I don't want, that's not my role. I don't like moderating. I want people to just like talk amongst themselves and work stuff out. That's why I'm in favor of abolishing the police. I don't believe in centralized authority or punishment. Right. You, you But you do believe in emailing their editors. Oh. Anyway, uh, check it out. I think if someone murders someone, the police shouldn't arrest them, but their boss should be editors. emailed. Yeah, your guy, sure. your guy he murdered a guy. Yeah. And their moms probably too. Although not if they're students, not if they're in school. Don't mm-hmm. tell the mom about that. Ah, bring it back. Anything else, Jesse? No. Okay. So we're talking about this call, right? Yes. All right. So um, we're not going to do a super duper deep dive, like minute by minute. There were actually, this was maybe my most narcissistic moment, but a couple of streamers streamed their own reactions to my call into the majority report. Mm-hmm. And I watched those. That was my most narcissistic moment. But um, this is, I don't know if this is a circle jerk or a turducken or both. It's an Eiffel Tower. We're like, I'm, well, it's a daisy chain. It's a daisy oh chain. man! Oh, it's a daisy chain. Um, they were they were very entertaining. We'll include links to Destiny's, uh, not that Destiny needs our promotion, and Sitch and Adams. I've been on both those streams. They're all good guys, worth checking out. Um, they did like minute by minute reactions, which I I found cathartic. Anyway, I call in. Naturally, there's an immediate issue with sound quality. Uh, we fix that. I say that I'm not sure how productive this will be, but I did commit to doing it publicly. Sam immediately, in my view tries to nip the call in the bud by saying no obligation. We weren't expecting you to call in, which is weird because we talked about it on Twitter. Um, so I start then by pointing out that I think things can get very heated on Twitter, which I sometimes contribute to. Heated gaming moments. Heated Twitter I have moments. heated gamer moments. Uh, but, you know, I basically point out that, like, I think we probably agree on a lot of stuff, including that the laws banning youth gender medicine are bad. And I point out that like, we probably do disagree on some like trans rights edge cases, things that, um, you know, will require some compromise. So I, I start with this sort of conciliatory tone. Here's how Sam responds. Oh, but before we play this clip, I should note, um, when Katie produces the episode, she does something to, uh, make our levels level. Uh, I just so we're at the same volume in this call, the whole call, my volume, part of what made it weird is my volume was way lower than theirs. I don't know if that was intentional. It's weird having someone call in via phone to talk into a show. Um, I don't know if that was intentional, but the way you're going to hear it, our volumes will be the same. That wasn't how it was on the show as you'll see in the YouTube. Please. Jesse, I just want to make something clear. I don't yeah. care where we agree on. 
That is, I can't yeah. tell you how irrelevant it is to me. What we agree on, whether it's in the context of trans stuff, whether it's in the context of any other politics, wholly irrelevant. I don't care what kind of person you are. I don't care what your belief system is. None of that is relevant. The reason why I think you are uh, toxic and at, at best extremely unhelpful in this area is that you distort the importance of this issue uh, and, uh, and are so fervent at pointing out this minutia that I consider minutia in face, in the face of what is actually happening on the ground. And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. That's not you, but it's an analogy. And it's, and it's, it's an extreme one, but hey, that's... Hey, just because, we have li- just because we have limited time, could we just keep this to stuff I've written that you have... No, that you because so I, I don't... Because, because, no, it's not you even there, there's a specific... No, because it's not even okay. that there's a specific thing that I, I, I take issue with, because that, in, in some ways, is exactly what the 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 like indicative of the same problem uh okay jesse i assume that that siren that was like going off internally with you that's like your blood pressure raising it's like (laughs) calm down take a few deep breaths this is painful my interpretation of what happened here is sam and emma were in a difficult situation so given who their fan base is given the, the nature of sort of online leftism, they have to broadcast that they know I'm an evil, bigoted, vile figure because that's an article of faith in their community. They'll get eaten alive if they express an iota of doubt about it. But the challenge is they haven't read any of my work and they don't know anything about this issue. So they can't talk about any of the substantive disagreements uh, per se. So Sam basically starts to filibuster and eat up as much time as he can by not talking about my article. Okay. I have to say, Jesse, this reminds me of something and you're going to, I'm sorry I'm doing this, but it does remind me of when you went on Joe Rogan and you started out the conversation by talking about how he like it, like platforms, Alex Jones. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a signaling. And I think you did it then, and I think he's doing it now. I don't think I was signaling for that. I think that's a real problem with, with you were, uh, Joe Rogan. And I didn't want to go on without addressing that. And I think Sam fully believes that about you. Well, I think I'm... Okay, let's do the next clip. <laughs> okay. My yeah. issue with you, what you do, okay, is best summed up in this analogy. And again, this is an analogy that's extreme, uh, but it, it makes the case, is that Back in 2004, there was a writer who wanted to argue, and you remember what was happening in 2004, 2005 in, in Iraq. Maybe, maybe it was before your time. I'm not sure. Who wanted to argue that there is nuance in the context of the torture debate. And by, you know, sort of showing, us, uh, showing that within the context of the torture debate, there were nuanced instances where the idea of saying that torture is bad is inaccurate because there were nuanced instances where that was okay. And I think the headline was um, in defense of torture. And it was published on the Huffington Post at a time Dude, where you... That's completely grotesque. Yes, I'm sure I use this yeah. example because I knew you would think it was grotesque. But why exactly. is it grotesque? Because this writer claimed that, like, look, I wasn't 
I, hey, I, I don't want to talk. I'm not trying to talk over you, but can you just give me something to latch on to a problem you have with my work, not with okay. the work of no, someone Well, I'm, I'm explaining it to you. Jesse, was that you who wrote the article about torture? <laughs> so for those keeping track, that was maybe another 90 seconds of me not being able to say anything and Sam filibustering. Perhaps I didn't think of this as I was preparing these notes, but while he's doing this, Emma and Matt can Google stuff and try to figure out what they should talk about because they don't have any knowledge of this actual issue. Um, anyway, Sam continues in this vein of just rambling and not saying anything in a while. Let's play a little bit more than that. David, here it is. My philosophy is basically this, and this is something that I live by, and I always have, and I always will. Don't ever, for any reason, do anything to anyone for any reason Ever, no matter what. Sorry, sorry, that was the wrong clip. That was uh, Michael Scott in the office. But let's skip the rest of the torture stuff. It goes on for quite some time. There's like minutes more of Sam laying out this analogy uh, in which my work has something to do with torture defenders circa 2004. There's no discussion of anything I've written because Sam doesn't know what I've written. So then Sam turns his attention to how my work has been used by conservatives. This will sound familiar when he talks about uh, an email. That's the email I sent him explaining everything I said at the top of this podcast about how this legal brief had misinterpreted my work. Are you suggesting in any way, Jesse, that your work hasn't been cited over and over again by people saying, like, even the liberal uh, Jesse uh, Singal says that uh, that that this is that this there's something problem here? I mean, so the problem is that with all due respect, I explained to you in the email like exactly what they did. My article said you didn't even say when I said Republican AGs, I specifically asked you now you didn't publish this part of the email. You only published like the first line of it for whatever reason. But I asked you when I wanted to clarify this and catching up on it, what was defamatory? Because I think your words were straightforwardly defamatory about Matt Leck saying, that your lies were cited by Republican AGs. And then you wrote back something about a tweet exchange you had with Matt about conservatives. For whatever reason, you wouldn't no, acknowledge sorry, this, that this Republican I, AG I, thing it's was. Not, no, no, but we're referring to the same legal document. And I pointed well, I didn't know that legal. because you didn't say anything okay. about that legal. I can I, read the email right yeah. now if you want. To no, clarify no, Sam, that, Sam, could I? Because could I get it seemed really manipulative of you to pretend yeah. that you had explained this to me and saying, you know, when whatever the tweet storm that you were trying to get going, when in fact yeah. I said Republican AG and you said conservatives, yeah. some I conservatives. Think Sam, I think you're, I think you're a little bit trying to talk over me because I'm making a very basic point here. Okay, go ahead. Respond or you're not. You have I the floor. Do, okay. I uh, I emailed you. I pointed out that this. Uh, brief said it's no you did not use the words brief dude this is like some tucker carlson shit he is just talking over you i mean i just and i just want to be clear i genuinely think sam cedar is lying i know how that accusation will come across because i complained about him saying i lied but he's pretending the email i sent him was at all confusing that there's any confusion about the document we're talking about the email was very clear i'll include a link to a google document that just has our full correspondence but because Sam has no familiarity with my work, which is a point he's about to admit to a bit later in the call, he has to pretend that his one point 
about the Republican AG thing wasn't already debunked. So again, we'll include my full email with him, but like, I just think he's lying and just throwing out anything that will potentially stick and pretending to be confused about something that shouldn't be confusing because I sent him an email explaining all of this. Um, I, so I, I wouldn't even go so far as to lying I, because I think he probably really believes this. He has read on Twitter so many times over and over again, so many activists and so many journalists just know that you are bad, you are a bigot, you are a transphobe, that it must be true. I think he's blind. But remember, but that's not what's at, what's at issue here is this specific AG document where we emailed about it. I said, this is what you guys got wrong. Here's my piece explaining it. So he has... He's read an email where this was explained to him and he's just repeating it. Okay. I do think that like this shows the value, even in a situation like this where it was always going to be a shit show. If they if this was their normal circle jerk of a show, they could just keep repeating this. I do think that as unlistenable as this is, don't you think it makes a difference that I can at least push them and be like, you already know this, you're misrepresenting this, or am I being like idealistic and hopelessly naive here? It depends. Like you're like you're at such a disadvantage there because your audio is bad and they're just talking over you that you don't get a word in edgewise. You're not really effectively yeah. defending yourself because you can't even hear you. Um, I did see. So I looked at the majority report subreddit to see how to see how this was received. And I didn't see people. I didn't see a thread about your call into the show in particular. I did see there was a thread about Destiny's response to your thread, and it was actually more like on your side and on Destiny's side than I would expect. Although there was one comment I wanted to read to you. Imagine taking this view if David Duke called in. Sometimes a motherfucker needs to be told they're a motherfucker and move on. And I think like a certain portion of his audience is just going to believe that you got to just tell the motherfucker they're a motherfucker and move on. Katie, I was in Abu, I was in Abu Ghraib torturing people. How could you defend me after that? And you are literally David Duke. (laughs) That said, there were also a lot of people in this comment section saying like, I lost all respect for Sam after seeing this, which was heartening to see. They got severely downvoted, but they did say it. So I will say, okay. It's a fool's errand, first of all, to think any of this will accomplish anything. I'm hoping it like nudges people a little bit. I still, I'm overall glad I did it. I will say, yeah, I'm sorry when, to interrupt you, but like that's the thing is like it's not even about like changing the minds, something like this. I don't think it's about changing the minds of Sam Cedar and Emma Bigland no. at all. It's about the, the people watching by, and that, that's also true of like dumb Twitter fights. It's yeah. not even about the people who are like engaging and picking sides. It's sort of about the silent audience, the people that you can't see, which is why you should like act like an adult in situations like this, even on Twitter. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for what it's worth, when they posted this uh, episode that this segment was a part of, like the comments were really negative. Like all the highest rated comments were like, you didn't let him talk. Some people claim to be majority report fans who are disappointed. Although that's like a classic move for like people complaining on the internet. When I wrote for the Boston globe and criticized Gamergate, all these Gamergaters said they were canceling their subscriptions mm-hmm. to the Boston Globe. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't know for sure. I don't I think the response among neutral people was generally on my side, but it's like these are such biased samples you you can't know for sure. I, I mean I think they're yeah. probably on your side in the sense that they railroaded you, but still like I I'm not seeing that your defense is particularly effective because you just you can't hear you. You can't talk. Well, I was talking this over before I went on with mutual friends because I committed to calling it where I knew I would be at a disadvantage. Um my goal going in was not to like win it was just not to like trip over my own dick not to have it be a complete disaster your dick is not big enough to trip over exactly so first of all i didn't have to worry about that because i have a micro penis but more importantly i just i was like if i could eke out 
I hate putting this in sports terms, but like a tie, I'd be fine with it. And I, I think they yelled so much that it came off the wrong way to some people. Anyway, let's do the next clip. Sorry, we've all we've been talking about the same document the whole time. You can even. Well, I didn't know this. Why the I didn't know this. I, Jesse, I don't know your stuff from Adam. I don't care. <laughs> I like that he just straight up admits that he does not know your work. He doesn't know my work. In this next clip, I asked him for uh, 30 seconds to explain what happened with all those attorney generals citing my work. As you'll hear, they give me about 15. But I'm just trying to get 30 seconds to explain what happened, which you, could, you can choose not to grant me that 30 seconds. But just I'm going to give you 30 more. seconds. Okay. Uh, they cited my work to say that um, uh, gender medicine doesn't help trans adults. My work described that uh, gender medicine as life-saving, and it quoted multiple trans adults who found it life-saving. So you can't read my article. How late in the piece, Jesse? Have you heard of the medicine. principle of journalism where essentially you're supposed to... Emma, Emma, Emma. No, no, no. How late, how long, how late into the piece? Top of the piece. How late into the piece, Jesse? How high, Jesse? How high, Jesse? Jesse? <laughs> how high in the piece? Jesse? 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 Hi, oh, how? you phrase that. Did you use the word brief? Conservative? I'm confused. I'm Sam. Yeah. I'm Emma. Um, <laughs> I'll spare you guys this next bit of audio. We're not trying to hide anything. People should watch the whole thing in its entirety. We just don't want this episode to be two hours long. But you'll notice he said how high in the she. piece. Sorry, she. Um, without even acknowledging it, here Sam Cedar, Emma Vigilant, and Matt Leck just sort of ignore the fact that they're acknowledging I'm right. The whole thing they're mad about. That I said this thing I didn't say, they they sort of quietly acknowledged they're wrong, but then immediately switched to the question of whether the thing I said was high enough in the piece. Emma cites the principle of the inverted pyramid, which does not apply to magazine <laughs> writing. It doesn't. It's like an old school newspaper thing. This is the idea. You put the yeah. uh, a man was shot on Franklin <laughs> Avenue, according to police. Like this does not apply. Yeah. It does not apply to magazine writing, which Emma doesn't know because knowing stuff is a challenging thing for her. Um, does she? Does she have a, a background in journalism? I don't. Does she write? I don't. I don't think so. I don't know what she does at this point. And she screams. Maybe her background's in like opera or something. She does scream. Um, All I know about her is that she screams and that she went to a very, very expensive uh, private school. Yeah. Um, so Emma cites the inverted pyramid. I should have point. I mean, I couldn't point anything out because I couldn't get a word, and that doesn't apply. Um, then they confront me with the fact that after I said uh, this came at the top of the piece, and again, right now we're completely off the rails because the, the issue is not how high the piece was. It was they claimed I didn't say this. Uh, I say it's at the top of the piece. They, They're moving the fucking goal. Oh, constantly. I, I say it's the top of the piece. They go, actually, it's 3,500 words into the piece. And I say, yes, in a 12,000 word piece. So, this so is it's just, in the first quarter. Yeah, ish. It doesn't, it's. Do you think they actually care? Have any of them read the piece? I No, I don't think they read the piece. And you're a transphobe and a garbage human because you agree with them, but you didn't agree high enough in a 12,000-word magazine article. Noted long-form magazine editors, Emma Vigilant, who also um, has a side gig working with kids with, with OCD and gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. and Sam Cedar and Matt Leck do not think I put this thing high. The thing that they just found out was in the article they haven't read. They're mad it wasn't high enough, so I'm a garbage human. I just want to pull some other brief things because they both involve Emma exposing herself as not really knowing much about a subject where she's so passionate Katie, she's so passionate, both that she knows exactly how kids should be diagnosed and treated, as we saw from the OCD thing, and she knows exactly who is and isn't a garbage person. So I just want to see what happens when I finally am able to make some substantive points about this debate. Jesse, have you not in your work outside of 25 percent emphasize certain specific cases that are outside of the trend of the overwhelming 
data that shows that gender affirming care for youth is effective and helps reduce suicidal ideation and is important and that the desister myth essentially is a small edge case. Have you not focused on that a disproportionate amount versus the overwhelming other elements of data that I just described? Oh, but but what you just said isn't true. There is an overwhelming evidence. There is. I'm looking. OK, have you read the, the Journal of Pediatrics and their clear results on this front where they looked at children? Yeah, you're talking about a five years. paper. I've written I've written two lot. No. So the. You're talking about Christina Olson's paper, not Jack Turbin's paper. I apologize. Christina Olson's paper took a group of kids who transitioned early, social transition. Yep. She found that uh, 93% of them five years in were still in that socially transitioned role, but none of them were diagnosed with gender dysphoria. So you can't compare that to the question I'm interested in, which is whether these treatments help alleviate gender dysphoria, because we don't know if the kids in Olson's sample had gender dysphoria. You're using outdated terminology to talk about ch- children who are already socially transitioning and showing that the, that is effective in their... Wait, 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 wait. Gender dysphoria is outdated terminology? So because Emma has no idea what she's talking about, this is the, 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 the central theme here is these guys having to produce content about a subject they know nothing about. So if you're in Emma's shoes, which is a nightmare I don't want to think about... Um, she almost certainly hasn't read the paper in question. She probably just found out it existed no when Matt Leck DM'd it to her. Like, use this. This is the problem yes. with being forced to defend views that you don't really have because you're unfamiliar with the subject. When someone isn't pushing back on Emma, uh, and this show is usually just a, a truly masturbatory circle jerk, she can be full of shit all day. No one will call her on it. Her viewers will celebrate her for it and reward her for it. As soon as she understands that, yes, I do know exactly the paper in question, and it's not relevant to what we're talking about, she just has to make some shit up. So I, you're as confused as I am. We don't even know what she means by outdated terminology, right? I mean, she must be referring to the term, the term gender dysphoria, which is like the updated terminology, the the outdated version of that. Yeah. Well, so in the in 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 the DSM, yeah. Elsewhere, it's called gender in Congress. People use genders for right. all the time. So this would be this is something we can ask her about when she comes on the show, right? <laughs> yeah, she's definitely coming on now. Okay, so here's another clip of Emma's um, really impressive knowledge of this subject. Do you believe no, that? No, no, no. It is. Do you believe that gender affirming care works and is overwhelmingly effective with with children? Do you believe it? Uh, I am with the five European countries who have looked into this question closely, and all of them are like, we don't know yet. We need more data. So, no, it's not established. Okay. It is established. All right. Well, you, so you don't believe it's it. it no, no, no. But you just changed the question that she asked you. Oh, my God. Ugh. You know what, Jesse? I think I might have to stop paying to support the majority report. <laughs> well, you've been giving them $10,000 a month. I actually give them 50% of your cut of the 3% of this podcast. So... A couple of things about this one. Um, first of all, at the end there, Sam is such a snake oil salesman, just throwing any shit at the wall, hoping some of it will stick. Emma asked me a question. I answer the question. Sam goes, you didn't answer the question. Right. And then Emma, who we previously saw knows much more about how to treat OCD and GD than the experts do, much more. Mm-hmm. Um, she also knows that the five European reviews I'm referencing are wrong. Emma knows the evidence is overwhelming. How does she know? Fuck you, bigot. That's how she knows. Exactly. 
And then there's this. Well, Jesse, then let me just ask you directly once again. Do you believe that the established standards of care in the United States are effective and should be implemented to help children as they begin to transition in their youth? The standards of care say that kids should get like one to two years of therapy before they transition. So that might be too conservative. But yeah, something like that. Okay, so what's the so issue? then what's the problem? Those they- are the new stand- those are the new standards of care. The question is whether people are following them. Okay, well you know what? I don't Emma. I but with the evidence that you've shown, the Jamie Reed whistleblower, bro, has been discredited over and over again, and you wrote a whole write up about that. It. Oh man, this is so interesting. So she's saying that Jamie Reed has been d- discredited when the New York Times just published an article validating much of what Jamie Reed said. Yeah. Well, that inter- article is an interesting Rorschach test because one part of her affidavit was discredited. Other aspects I thought were, were well supported. And, and the thing that let's be, let's be specific here. What was the part that was discredited? Yeah. She had basically included in her affidavit uh, that a parent had threatened to sue over side effects uh, her kid had had because of some of the treatment they gave the kid. Um, uh, Jamie Reed said that she had heard that secondhand from a nurse she was working with who was upset about what had happened uh, at the clinic. I asked Jamie Reed about this. She said that everything else in there she'd heard firsthand and was confident about. I guess time in time we'll find out. This was the one thing she'd heard secondhand, um, and she wishes she hadn't included it. Now, okay, so this is a this is a this is a small detail that that Emma or the, well, no, I don't want. So, oh, sorry, sorry. I just don't want to. First of all, again, Emma hasn't. Emma doesn't know any of this. Emma hasn't read the affidavit. Right. She hasn't read the Times article. So we're we're already operating at a much higher level than Emma, which again is hard to do given her boundless expertise. Right. Um, I think it it we've talked about this. It detracts from Jamie Reed's credibility that something in a sworn affidavit was not true. I do not think she intentionally lied about it. I think the process was sort of. Too sloppy. Um, Very specific things she has claimed, including that there weren't separate informed consent forms to start uh, blockers or hormones or both. I forget the specifics. The hospital itself quietly acknowledged that was the case. Now, Jamie also said kids were coming to the hospital with weird pronouns like mushroom. I just posted an email she shared with me from another uh, one of her colleagues that confirms that. So some very specific things have been confirmed. This one thing has been debunked. There's other stuff that's in the fuzzy middle, like parents saying they did, you know, were informed of side effects. Although even that's complicated because Jamie Reed's response to me was like, well, I informed them, which wasn't really my job. They weren't informed by the doctor. So I think there's a lot we still don't know about this. But Mm -hmm. the point here is um, Emma doesn't know what the standards of care are. She's not familiar with any of this. She can't answer my follow-up question of why she would support these. She can't say out loud, yes, I think kids should get one to two years of therapy. Um, her audience would just tear her limb from limb. So you notice what they're doing. They're quickly going for the applause line of Jamie Reed. Right, right. They're trying to say, oh, you don't think she's discredited because all of her their audience thinks she's discredited. Right. So in their world, Jamie Reed's a liar and a con artist. And as soon as I say she hasn't been discredited, which I don't think she's been, they're probably going to wrap up the call. So they keep in the, we're not going to play this whole excerpt. You can listen yourself. They keep demanding. I answer the question about whether or not Jamie Reed has been discredited. Yes or no. Uh, I keep saying we can get to that in a sec. I just want to follow up about the standards of care thing with Emma, just because I, I, I just want to point out that I don't really think she's familiar with those guidelines. Emma, it sounds to me that you think kids should get one to how two years of How has Jamie Reed, has Jamie Reed, 
who was not she intimately not involved. She has, she has not been discredited. Oh, that's interesting to me. Okay, that's interesting so because, I mean, we've got to run, but people can look this up. She, There have been lies over and over proven that she has put out there, which you okay. took at face value. Emma, when, you, when you come on the show, can we just get a little bit more specific about the SSP Honestly, stuff? Honestly, dude, I mean, look, I, I, I want to engage in good faith, and yeah. we have now had this conversation, and to be honest with you, like, I don't back down from anybody. Hold that thought. But I really think you should just have a trans person on or an activist or someone of that kind, because I cover a bunch of issues on this program. We cover politics on it from a daily on a daily basis from different perspectives. And okay, so you you're backing ha- out, though, is what you're saying. Uh, sure. I, 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 to be honest okay, with you, you based upon your original based... complaint to me, I will, uh, I will, uh, uh, as a uh, boss, I will, I will, I will suspend her if she uh, goes on your show. We, we, we had a back and okay. forth over email. We couldn't. You find called the manager, time, and you I didn't really, get the response. I don't want to give this more okay, life. You're backing out. It's unfortunate. I was if hoping that, hey, Jesse, because Jesse, guys... Jesse, if that's what you want to hang right. your hat on, have a good rest of the week, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, <laughs> you appreciate the, the call, Jesse. Yeah, I couldn't care less. Thank you. Bye. Damn, this was not entirely predictable. She doesn't back out. <laughs> someone, but someone, out, but she doesn't back out. <laughs> I don't back down from anybody except except you. A, a, a policy to which I'm about to make a major exception. <laughs> someone on after I after I gave her kudos for coming on, uh, someone on Twitter was like, uh, "I think you're being hasty. I'd give her a ten or fifteen percent chance of coming on." So that was correct. Yeah, this is pretty unfortunate. It would have been a good conversation, or it probably would have been a terrible conversation, but at least it would have been sort of an amusing conversation. Um, it would have been a lust, like illuminating, because we could have like For actually, sure. at, like, does I'm really curious because again, Emma, she's a she's an expert on the stuff. Does she think like a year or two is is too much, like for a kid on blockers to wait to go on hormones stuff like that? I'm curious to get her view because again, expert. Right. I think uh, I wish that you hadn't called in. If you hadn't called in, she wouldn't have been able to back out. Oh, dude, that was, was she might have, again, have anyway. adopting this dumb fanboy team sport thing, which isn't my favorite mode because I'm nerdier than that. Don't you think her dropping out on her own show was like kind of amazing? It would have been more amazing if she had dropped out on our show. Maybe actually she might have had a conversion, <laughs> a conversion moment. I mean, the thing is, so what people like Emma really don't understand is how thoroughly you've been immersed in this. You've been studying this. You've been reading the studies. You actually really do know your shit when it comes to this issue. And I hate to say that. It pains me to say Thanks, that. Katie. And so to like parachute in and this, yeah. So to parachute in on this issue and to think that you're going to be able to somehow like school the person whose beat is this issue is really arrogant. It's really narcissistic and it's embarrassing. I agree. I mean, I still like, I would still would totally have her on, but uh, that's not in the cards. Um, I'm curious, like how much, Look, I don't. I knew what I was getting into calling it, but if that was a twenty-minute segment, how much of it do you think I talked for? Maybe five minutes. Well, I haven't heard the entire thing, but maybe, maybe I don't know. I, I, I don't think even that. I think that's overstating it. I asked you this off mic earlier. Do we let this go, or do we try to do like raise money for charity on the condition that Emma will come on? Would that be petty, vindictive? Should we? What should we do? You decide here. I mean, I'm a petty and vindictive person, but uh, we know how this is going to go. I mean, we could say we're going to have a fundraiser, a bunch of people pledge money, tens of thousands of dollars, probably based on when this has happened in the past. Millions, probably millions. Say we're going to give it to like Trans Lifeline or or the Trevor Project. No, what we would do is we'd say she, we, we, if we did this and I haven't decided yet, we haven't decided, we would do a Kickstarter and say she gets half the money, she can give it to whoever she wants and put her in a position where like, 
she's so intent on not having a conversation that she has to, you know, rob uh, thousands of dollars of one of her trans charities. I just, I don't think she would come out under any circumstances because I think she's cowardly. Same with Sam. Sam would, Sam, who like half of his YouTube feed or the majority report YouTube feed is about him like owning people in debates. Sam Cedar would never in a million years have a conversation with us or with me one-on-one, which would be fine. He wouldn't. He's a coward. Here's what I think the conversation needs, though. I think because there's going to be like they're talking over you. You also attempted to talk over them or you like tried to butt in and just couldn't get a word in edgewise. I think a conversation like this really needs a moderator. Um, And so I'm and it's got to be a neutral party. So as somebody who hates all of you, I'd like to volunteer. I like it. I mean, I, I've never done a conversation (laughs) quite like this. I think what we had planned was one on one with me and Emma. I actually don't think that would be a screaming match because like it's just hard to scream like when you're on a one-on-one audio line with someone, but I don't know. I um, Have you ever been married, Jesse? I have not been married, so there's a lot I don't know about <laughs> screaming. Um, anyway, that was uh, – I felt – I'm sorry. I felt good coming out of that. I just – I don't I, – I would prefer – You felt good coming out of absolutely. that? Absolutely. Oh, my God. She, I think I would have needed to take a fucking shower. It was, it was a combination of emotions, but like I just um, – I continue to think this is a really important issue because it has to do with vulnerable young people and suicide and the medical and mental health establishments. And I think the way shows like Majority Report cover it are remarkably irresponsible because they spread a lot of false claims about these subjects that unfortunately their viewers are going to believe because they wrongly think people like Sam Cedar and Emma Vigiland are uh, responsible journalists. So I would welcome further conversation. But in the meantime, I just really hope they can't spread more misinformation which they do constantly it's frustrating all right emma come on bar pod we'll, we'll, we'll put some stakes down emma come on bar pod oh god well jesse uh thank you for that i think um so i think we're gonna have to wait until our next primo show to talk about uh britain's strictest headmistress we're running out of time here no yeah. <laughs> okay i am looking forward to that one it's black. i wanted to have a palate cleanser but we're gonna have to end yeah. it here this has been blocked reported as always we were produced with help from tracing wood grains and the mysterious lex i'm jesse single and remember don't ever for any reason do anything to anyone for any reason ever no matter what and i'm katie herzog and also remember jesse is not a garbage human He's a garbage man.